0: This podcast is offered by Black Mountain Zen on the web at blackmountainzen.org. Our public offerings are made possible by the kind donations from people like you.
1: So, good morning, good afternoon, and maybe good evening. And um, my apologies for last week. Um, our, our internet provider, uh, their satellite, malfunctioned. So that's that's what happened. Um, so I hope you had uh, you you were able to keep the the pr- exploring the, the practice of
2: Virya energy.
1: And, and maybe we'll we'll start there with uh, you know some of the, some of the prompts I offered you was uh, what arises your dedication, what supports your physical and mental vitality uh, and then how do you encourage yourself you
2: know? maybe as we start to sit you you
1: can uh, reflect on those. It, it's, it's an interesting challenge for each of us to get in touch with our inner workings, you know? It, you know it, it, in, the, in the abstract, you know, attending to your motivation, your dedication, uh, it seems quite straightforward. But when we put it in the context, of you know persistent mental activity um, how our attention can uh, move whether we like it or not from one object to another Uh, then it becomes a more intriguing and sometimes frustrating thing to sustain that
2: dedication and purposefulness Uh, So often, um,
1: rather than create a battle between our, our dedication and motivation and what arises out of the, just the conditioned nature of consciousness in our own particular version of it, uh, rather than create a battle to uh, begin by just letting it be, what's happening, be exactly as it is. Like reminding ourselves deeply that even though we're going to bring forth intention and motivation, that there's no special result that needs to happen. That in a way, this is maybe the profound
2: gift of uh, awareness. So, if you can just begin by opening up the senses, opening up to an inclusive awareness. Just noticing, you know, what is being attended to, what's being engaged right now. is is there
1: an open floating awareness to whatever comes up or is there some uh, particular thoughts or feelings interrupting and asserting themselves
2: and if there is noticing that too And then bringing this noticing into the body, noticing the physicality of being. Are there any patterns about how you relate to your own physicality? Is there an impulse? To what you should be, how you should be sitting. Is there an ache or stiffness that you feel some slight aversion to? And in the midst of it all, allowing for uprightness. in bringing awareness to the breath. How does the breath register as sensations in the body? Through the course of the inhale, the pause, the exhale. Noticing the flow, the opening with the inhale, the releasing with the exhale. And allowing any thoughts, feelings to just happen. Letting the thoughts become embodied, not separate from physical sensation or sensation of the breath. And if the mind gets carried away by thinking, noticing occurs, abide there for a moment, abide in that arisen moment of awareness. Deliberately, gently, Bring the awareness back into body and breath and openness. In a moment, I'll ring the bell,
1: and as best you can stay aware of all the subtle shifts in consciousness, in perception, sense of self, sense of environment that happened for you as you transition out of this purposeful awareness into just
2: engaging the activities of being.
1: There's subtle shifts from open awareness to engaging the activities of being. Uh,
2: we're doing it all the time. Uh, the
1: What's created is usually mesmerizing for us. Our, our attention goes into it
2: and energizes it and makes it feel and appear substantial.
1: We don't quite see how we're contributing to the very creation that we are now feeling we are part of. So as as I've been saying, the the first three paramitas, this giving and receiving, this tangible way of being part of interbeing, maybe in contrast to a sense of separate being. And, And then the conduct that promotes that, that promotes this virtuous
2: way of being yeah.
1: the, the, the sense of connection uh, uh, that helps to displace uh, some sense of isolation, separateness yeah.
2: you know,
1: and how that
2: plays through the human psyche and then there's patience you know kushanti that this is the nature of human consciousness. We're part of a
1: co-creation that's colored, biased by, shaped by our own
2: habitual being. Uh, and, And it causes us problems
1: and we can fight with those problems we can fight what we think is the cause of them we, we can force try to force ourselves to be different um, it, but in a way they're distracting us those responses are distracting us from literally getting in touch with what's going on how it's being shaped how it's being biased how its influences are energized so so the three of them they're they're kind of foundational in, in some ways anytime we pause and look at our life they're they're not far away they're they're, they're active and then the next three the energy the absorption in the moment of being and the insights that arise from it. You know, in a way they're more subtle. You know, and as I said in the handout, you know, the first three help create the capacity to start to notice the next three. And and even though they're subtle, they're also uh, the, the next three They're they're fundamental
2: to our being.
1: Our very heart has its own kind of electrical charge that's generated by our body. It helps it
2: to beat. Our mind has its own electrical charge, our our brain, our nervous system. uh,
1: we, and, and the, the pulsing of these energies are what literally keep us alive. Uh,
2: and then we add to them
1: uh, the, the energy of enthusiasm, the energy of disgust, resentment, the energy of sadness of uh, joy the energy of purposefulness and and, and so in laying out those um, reflections i hope they didn't feel like they were prescriptions or even requests for some particular consequence the, the intention was more mm this is what's going on all the time what can i learn about it you know how can i get in touch with it how, how can i see how it waxes and wanes in in all its various ways you know?
2: what arises your dedication and does that differ from what you tell yourself you should do What supports your physical and mental vitality? What activities energize you and drain you? And what about the emotions? What emotions energize and drain? Um, how do you encourage yourself to persist with activities that you tend to resist, you know? These, Energetic
1: expressions that that come forth in our emotions, in our fixed views. I like this. I don't like
2: that. Can can there be a conscious relationship to it? (laughs) What moments can you recall? We have had an easeful, energetic experience.
1: And then I offered some practices. And again, I hope they didn't come across as some kind of prescription. This is who you should be or how you should be. But I wonder if you have any... uh, observations you'd like to share or comments or questions.
3: So if people would like to raise their hand, I'll unmute them.
4: Hi, Paul and Jean, thank you so much for this wonderful course. Um, I found the paramita of energy, so it was just an energizing topic to reflect on and practice with. And I, uh, I love to dance and I related that, this idea so much to this kind of giving over to the rhythm of the music and Uh, you know, if I'm kind of like freestyle moving, there's this um, freedom and expansion and this um, settling into the, the rhythm that I find can happen even in stillness. And I also kind of related it to the structure of partner dancing and how when you're moving with someone else, and there's a rhythm to the beat. And if you're in your mind and trying to get ahead and, and uh, stay in step, you can stumble. and um, Or if you're uh, overthinking where your feet are going. So there's this kind of bodily um, back and forth that I find is achieved in stillness. And I uh, I just found practicing with this concept of giving yourself over to and then receiving in return so connected to my artistic practice as well and I'm a teacher and the student of mine was really oh hard and, and struggling to start the painting because we hadn't painted together in many months and so he was out of the out of the groove and I uh, I just said what? just give yourself over to this process just and i I just quoted you and and it worked and he just he kind of looked at me he didn't really understand what it meant but there was the connection and then he got into the rhythm into that dance back and forth and so in a way there's almost like this this partner dance with your practice staying in this rhythm or just you can only be in the step that is that moment in that beat. So, um, just being in this reflection of energy the last two weeks has been such a blessing. So, thank you.
1: Mm. Thank you. It it was was wonderful to hear you and watch you dance through what you were saying, you know, the way you moved your body and your hands. (laughs) it was like you were giving us an illustration of what it was you were trying to talk about <laughs> yeah. thank you
4: thank you
3: um hi this is ann hawking for some reason my video isn't working um but I well, we can found... see you,
1: man.
3: Oh, good. Well, that's that's better. That's better. <laughs> um, I, I notice what motivates me to do things that I don't like to do is when it becomes so uncomfortable to not want to do it that it's, it's kind of pushing up into the edge of it exactly pushing into the resistance, which is so uncomfortable, that it becomes easier simply to do it. And you know, mm. examples are, I am I ski, but I can be afraid on certain slopes, they're steep, or maybe they have lots of moguls, or the snow isn't good. And I don't like to feel afraid. I really don't. So what I do is just go down the mountain. And mm. it's it's actually just going into that fear so and then it dissipates. I'm in the process, it goes. There are certain kinds of tasks like paying bills or attending to, you know, business things that I I really put off. Um, But I found that the more I do that, then the more uncomfortable I become. So I've developed a kind of uh, unattached, to a certain extent, awareness of that kind of resistance. But it is the awareness of the resistance. That's what motivates me, is not Mm -hmm. wanting to do it. Because I don't want to have mm-hmm. that feeling, so mm-hmm. then I just do it, just do it, um, and that's been. I and you know I was talking in our small group about unloading the dishwasher, which has been a very loaded, uh, uh in my first marriage, a very very loaded topic. After a while, about who's doing mm. what, and um, what the significance of that is, and of. And then, at some point, I—quite a few years later—I realized that the dishwasher was just not unloaded. That's all. So all you have to do is unload it, and the aversion goes away. Um, mm-hmm. And the and the backstory associated with the dishwasher being unloaded also goes away.
1: Mm. Hmm. Thank you When you were recounting that story, Anne I was thinking how even in our in in our separate workings with, with but also in, in our relatedness and our relationships um certain things become emblematic, you know and, uh, and, and, and we're working out all sorts of complex and sometimes not complex things through the the particular thing we can talk about you know like unloading the dishwasher (laughs) and so someone was saying to me recently they were talking about the the entanglement they had with their mother and how uh, it it was fraught with challenges and and difficulties and i thought for both of them and I was thinking of this. Like, a, can we let go of how we've created a fixed world? You know, that, that has to be struggled with, and and feel the energy of it. The the emo- and usually it's an emotional energy, you yeah. uh, know, that arises in those sorts of circumstances, you yeah. know, and. It, it, it and often feeling the emotional energy softens up. Sometimes dissolves the the fixed world that we have created in in relationship to um, what's going on, whether it's intraactive or interactive. Uh, yeah. And then how sometimes. Uh, we have an insight, you know, and even though it can be profound for us, sometimes it's uh, very simple. Unloading the dishwasher is just unloading the dishwasher. (laughs) That's literally what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) Thank you.
0: hi this is maria hi maria hi. i apologize i was having difficulty with uh, my electronic device and the speaker wasn't working so i was coming in and out during the meditation and i have a question about uh the time we live in with electronic screens electronic devices that are full stream bombarding us with stimuli information and subtle energies that have an effect on our bodies and minds and whole nervous system and um, I'm very susceptible to being influenced sometimes if i just shut off and don't engage then um i'm isolated because i you know i'm not in touch with important information or people um but it's hard for me to find balance then i'm I'm either all in, and it's hard for me to decipher what uh, sift out, how much time, what information is important, what information is not important, what information can wait. Um, And it really uh, gives me kind of a a loop of addiction of some short-term gratification, which we know that... Uh, a lot of a lot of the aim of these programs is to do that and it's exploiting our uh, body and mind. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't know if the Dharma is equipped and can help us uh, live in a balanced way with this reality. And I wonder how you practice, and what's your advice and prescription for that, for that level of practice?
1: Mm. Um, well, I, I, as you were talking, Maria, I, I was thinking of... Our, what basically supports awareness, you know? And, and, and many things can and do. Like, as Margaret was just saying, you know, dance can support it. And, and and I was thinking that this, this, um, the quality of embodied awareness, you know, and embodied in the broadest sense, that that, that embodiment can include, um, not just physical sensations, but the, uh, how the emotions are rippling through our being and, and, and how thinking in certain ways and, and thinking about certain things ripples through our being. Uh, you know, if you just think about the teaching of the five skandhas, you see, oh, there's, there's this fivefold interplay. And the consequence of this interplay, you know, usually gets translated, you know, forms, feelings, perceptions, impulses and consciousness. A a more accurate translation of consciousness in that context would be energy. And we're always in some way or another conjuring up the different components of our being and energizing them, you know. and, and to have some way in our being and, and in our daily life, sort of reconnect in a deeper way. And, and and I think one of the challenges of our electronic gadgets is it it, it can invite a disembodied being, you know? I, th- I think for us, it's actually a difficult experience to, um, which I must admit, I do myself, I look it up the news on the internet, and then I go from item to item, you know, when... I, I think the informational input... Uh, is, is a strain on a human being that, you know, not so long ago, lived in villages and uh, related to 50 or 100 people, uh, as as their circle of uh connection uh, and also related to trees and plants and animals and rivers and clouds um, so i i think part of the challenge for us is is to keep those things in our life you know to, it, it's, it's almost like to live in a village uh, in the midst of the complexity. I was very struck when I found out that Carl Jung, in his house, um, he, I, I think it was his lights and several other things, that they they were more what we might call primitive. He didn't have the, the latest uh, gadgetry, he, he, he had a more primitive, uh, he created a more primitive environment for himself. I. I to me, it's part of why would most of us, when we walk out in nature, um, there's something reassuring and soothing about it. If, of course, we can drop the complexities of what's going on inside our head. So thank you. Um, Any other thoughts before we move on? I think
4: Billy's trying to unmute himself there.
1: I I was wondering that, Billy, too, (laughs) whether you were... (laughs) Uh, We can hear you.
5: Oh, okay. I'm unmuted now. Anyway, um, uh, thanks very much, Paul and Jean, uh, for for running running this course. Uh, What has been i've been thinking about over this last couple of weeks it's uh you know you've presented so much for us paul uh in this last uh four four weeks of uh teaching advice uh, words of wisdom etc but uh, what i find is strange is that and i'm sure it happens to everybody is that we seem to latch on to particular parts of what you're saying and that almost becomes the the theme for for, for our course. And what I latched on to uh, quite early was uh, when you talked about the fact that most of the experiences we have, what our mind does with those experiences, it judges it. It says, I like it, I don't like it. And if I don't like it, I want to get rid of it. Uh, if I like it, I want more of it. And I want to keep it. And then you also said, when you were talking about patience, that patience could be defined as the willingness to accept suffering, to accept mm-hmm. discomfort, uh, and uh, and sort of that stayed with me a lot, and it kept, first of all, becoming much more aware of what my mind was doing to experiences I was having during the day. Do I like it? Do I not like it? Or am I... Uh, impartial to it. And I I, th- I think it became much more tuned to uh, the fact of that my mind was discerning like this all the time. And then it was also, once it would strike me, up, I, I really like this situation, of trying to try and get below the thoughts, because as I see it, we mostly know whether we like things or whether we don't like things, by the thoughts in our head, but to get below those thoughts, and you know wonder what is it in the body that is prompting me not to like this, you know? Where is this? Is it a feeling? Is it a sensation? Or Mm -hmm. is it something just uh, unfathomable? I found that was quite interesting, you know, of just once I became aware that I was liking or not liking, to try and find out where this place was, to go beyond uh, the mind to it. Now, to go there doesn't necessarily mean, or it doesn't for me mean, that uh, what you didn't like uh, isn't bothered you anymore. It still remains a bother. But for some, uh, it seemed to add an energy to the situation that uh, it wasn't quite so bleak or grey as, as maybe it was mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, you know, I, I would be uh, very much of the, have the idea that, well, I mean, we see the world according to what the climate in our head is at any particular time. You know, sometimes uh, if the climate inside her head's good, things look good If the climate mm-hmm. inside her head is bad. The same things uh, look bad. And I've just found it an, an interesting process of trying to find where these feelings, these perceptions, these likes, dislike are actually embodied. And can I be more in touch with them rather than being in touch with them through thinking being mm. uh, that's where i have the course at the moment uh so thanks
1: that that was a beautiful description really of a this sense of embodied being or, or and and also this sense of inquiry and exploration and discovery you know that uh that one element of it is deconstruction. You know, the mind f- creates a fixed version of reality, and then we examine it, and then we, we we see, oh, this is a thought, this is a feeling, this is a judgment. You know, in, in a way, this is this is the uh, the teachings of the five skandhas. Sure. and and yet. Even though we have the capacity to engage and discover that, uh, still this passionate energy of being pours forth. And um, and, and as you were saying, it, but when we can when we can see when we can see it in in its workings, when we can see how it's coming together. It, it doesn't feel so um, entra- It doesn't feel so much like an entrapment. It 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 it, it it's it's almost like as we, the more we see it, the more possibility, you know. It, and and I think it, it, we play it out. You know the difference between reactivity and response. You know reactivity is the ingrained almost thoughtless uh, engagement, and then response is, it, 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 it has more space, it, it has more thoughtfulness, it, it can invite a kind of purposefulness and intentionality, and uh, and, and it's true, uh, patience, you know, I mean, would like to say, well, I should do that all the time, but actually, whether we should or we shouldn't, or we think we should or shouldn't, the the passionate energy of being alive keeps bringing itself forward. Uh, And to be patient with that, uh, and then discover underneath patience is a kind of forgiveness. Everybody, including ourselves, is who they are being who they are uh, and sometimes that seems uh, painful, destructive and and sometimes it seems uh, like extraordinary. Someone read a quote this morning at our work circle uh, from the Dalai Lama. Today's the Dalai Lama's 85th birthday and uh, the quote ended by saying And the most important thing is to be a good human being, you know, (laughs) that was his, that was his teaching. (laughs) Be a good human being. Yeah. To me, it says something, um, fundamental about the virtue of being, you know, we're capable of that, you know, Uh, and it will always challenge us, uh, day by day. You know, interaction by interaction. But but something in us uh, deeply knows the virtue of it. Thank you.
6: Hi, hi, Paul. Uh, thank you for holding this program. So You're one, welcome. Thing, one thing caught my attention from what you said today, and I heard that theme a little bit also from uh, other people. You mentioned about uh, our, our uh, a, a sort of a connected existence on top of which we have this habitual way of, of living. And mm-hmm. my habitual perception of this connectedness, this oneness, and I hear it a lot in new age circles especially that it doesn't do anything for me so what if i'm connected to everybody they are not going to take my suffering and remove it i still have to deal with my own problems and my issues so what what, what is what, what does this connection have to provide that, that is there another view from uh, the, uh, at looking at this idea of relatedness and connection that 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 i am not seeing at the moment
1: mm. um, you know w- one of the aspects that arises in in, in dana and dana uh, is that the giving and receiving are intertwined you know uh, that that when we give um, usually uh, if, if if we give in a generous spirit, uh, the smile on the other person's face, uh, we receive the, their smile. We, we receive uh, their well-being, you know. Um, and even when we give, like say we give anonymously or we, we, we donate to something that we don't know exactly we're not gonna have a tangible experience of the recipient receiving. Just even within ourselves, to allow that giving to be heartfelt. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, when when there's giving and receiving, uh, there's a vitality of interbeing that nourishes our singularity, you know? The, the um, like one of Thich Nhat Hanh's books is the title is together. We're one, but that, that isn't a, that one. It, 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 it's not a, uh, an undifferentiated, uh, existence. It, it's like the very process of separation and rediscovering connection through giving and receiving, we,
6: we nurture each other. you know. Uh, but no one can suffer for me. I, I have to suffer my own thing, right? And
1: they can give you sympathy. They can give you empathy. They can listen carefully uh, and intently as, as you talk about your suffering. And uh, often we find that um, comforting. It, it, it's just a human thing, you know. A child falls and, and scratches its knee. And the mother comes over, gives it a hug, kisses the scratch on the knee and the child's better. Uh, Or or more particularly the distress, the child was feeling has been alleviated through the love of the mother. No one can suffer for us, but how the suffering gets exacerbated from its core unpleasantness, uh, that's when into being c- can come to our aid. So that's, that's where I would say, um, is that the whole story? No, our being is more complex, but is that an ingredient within are a potential ingredient within our shared existence? I think so. And does it leave us confounded with um, humankind's history of uh, violence and aggression? Uh, Yeah. That, to me, was profound to hear the Dalai Lama say, uh, fundamentally, the most important thing is be a good human being. But that's how we will all nurture each other's being. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so the next Paramita is jhana. Uh, and, and jhana has a, uh, the, the, the word means absorption, you know, like to be absorbed in the moment. Um, and it's interesting because we, we, with, with our conditioned human consciousness, we're usually absorbed in what we've made of the moment. You know, no. like say, say we have a negative reaction to the moment, uh, that becomes the prominent experience that we merge with. Uh, and, but just the same way we can return to the body or our visibility and others were saying, you know, we can return to the, uh, noticing the activity of mind the accompanying emotions uh, that this is there as we um, engage our life this this opportunity you know And, and and in some ways we could say the practice of awareness is to deliberately cultivate moments of absorption yeah. in, in, in absorption as a meditative process uh, in, in 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 the early buddhist uh, tradition um it, it's 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 laid out in in as a fourfold manner uh, in, in terms of how attention can make connection and then, then that attention becomes uh, influential on the state of being, you know, first of all, we we feel some kind of palpable involvement, some kind of palpable presence.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and I think this can happen quite easily for us, you know, maybe not as frequently as we'd like, but, uh, you know. We can even feel a palpable presence uh, watching a movie, or reading a book, hearing a poem, walking in nature, you know, dancing. Uh, many activities, we can feel this palpable presence. It, it, it's like we... something more than the jumble of thinking, and associated thoughts and and memories and emotions. Uh, The ever-changing nature of it is interrupted by connecting to experience. And and, and within Buddhism, and I suspect within most spiritual traditions, uh, there's somewhat a science, and somewhat the art of um, connecting to the experience. Like, like in Ireland, there, there's historic spiritual ma- manuscript called the, the Book of Kells, and on the, uh, on the margins, and at the start of each paragraph, there's these very, very intricate illustrations, and when you look at them carefully and, you, and you, you see the way the brush had to move so purposefully and attentionally and you could see oh this required a connection an absorption in the moment to paint like that to paint that thoroughly and precisely yeah. So absorption can come like that. And then the other way absorption can come is we, we open up without an agenda. Like it, it can be as simple as, you know, the first bite of food you take in a meal, you know, just open up to every detail of sensation that's created as you put it in your mouth. Where does the first taste happen? What's the texture? What's the temperature? You know, um, how is it as you chew it? You know, what changes? Uh, it, to remind ourselves that our, that our life is this, um, sequence, of moments of absorption, moments of deep connection. And and that are um the the nature of our habitual consciousness is is to hijack the experience and and write a commentary on it, no? May may include judgments, may include associated thoughts, uh may simply just be what's uh, urgently attended it, it needing attention for us in that moment um, and in the early sutta as as we go through this absorption um, it, it, there's an interesting process to it that uh, one of the things it creates is a sense of joy, where where this palpable experience is, is has a quality of it being nurturing. You know? Like when we taste that first bite of food, yeah. we're we're nourished by attending to it so thoroughly. When we listen to another person talking, not just hearing the sounds and and understanding the words, but when we listen with an open mind and an open heart, uh, we receive something, we're nourished. this, This possibility is always there. So in the Sutta, it says, as we start to get absorbed, there there is an energetic joy. And it says, the recommendation is to open up, soak up that energetic joy, that pleasant sensation. So I would suggest to you, maybe in the next week, uh, line up for yourself moments of pleasant sensation, no. even if it's just sitting in the sun for, for two minutes, and feeling the, the warmth of the sun as it impacts your body. Uh, or maybe sitting in a comfortable way, with a a drink that, you you know, a coffee, a tea, or whatever it is that uh, you find pleasurable to drink. And, And let the pleasure, in a way, have its own discipline. You know, let it help you be absorbed in the experience. And in the Sutta, it says, as we become absorbed, the mind becomes quieter, the, um, the experience we're having becomes more accessible. And the, and and the joy that we're feeling as both a mental and a physical component, mental component is, is what we usually think of as joy. And then the physical component is what we usually think of as kind of physical pleasure. And, um, and, and as, as, as we immerse in this, the sutra says, soak it up, like a sponge soaks up water. Mm -hmm. And as we soak it up, um, something in our being um, settles. Mm -hmm. And, and to think of our life as having, moment after moment, this invitation, this possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, we can so readily think of awareness practice as this very good thing that I should do. And then I keep forgetting to do and keep getting distracted when I try to do it. You know, So actually, even though it's a very good thing, it's a kind of frustration, frustrating and difficult thing to do. But if we think of awareness is a moment of savoring what's already happening, or a moment of appreciation. The phrase I was thinking of uh, last week was awakening beauty, huh? that, There's, there's a way in which this appreciation has a quality, an aesthetic quality that, that we can call beauty, you know. Whether it's a piece of music, a piece of uh, painting, a, um, a poem, uh, looking at a, a view of nature. or even watching uh, some aspect of our human existence, that we can savor, we can appreciate, and, and as we soak it up, be grateful for. And then this perplexing notion how can we give ourselves that gift? No? So rather than awareness becoming this um, formidable to do that, if you were a good z- person, a good Zen student, a good human being, you'd be doing all the time, uh, instead of being burdened by that, what if we just thought, of, um, in the midst of the demands of life demanding something from us, receiving something, receiving nurturance, receiving an appreciation of being that's an antidote to all the ways your thoughts and feelings are pointing out lacking, you know. I don't like this. I'm apprehensive about having to do that. I'm annoyed that this person said that, or forgot to say that. Um, That's the stuff of our life. It happens. But can we nurture that very same life in a way that lets us experience, oh, and there's the abundance of life. In some ways, as I hear myself say that, I, I feel the influence of Brother David Stendelrust, whose primary teaching is gratitude. And, and when he would say that, I used to think, Yeah, but there's so much suffering in the world, and there's so much suffering in me, you know. Uh, It seems like a big leap from that to uh, thinking everything's lovely and wonderful. Um, But over time, I've come to realize that wasn't the, the supposition. The supposition was in the midst of all that, you know, we can find gratitude. Someone told me once, um, they they've been in recovery a long time and they're, they're also prone to depression. And they were saying when depression comes on, um, their world turns gray and it's a bleak world. And, and, uh, and they, they've gone through this long, often enough, but they make they know they have a way of relating to it. They make a gratitude list. And uh, and then they read the gratitude list every day. And initially, it, it's just an academic statement, you know? Yes. Yeah. But there's no emotional stirring. But then as they continue to read it, then slowly, when they read the, a certain object, like the thing he, he listed, he, he mentioned to me was his dog. Know. And um, and then after two or three days, he would say, I'm grateful for my dog. And then he'd have a thought, mm, yes, it's a lovely dog. <laughs> and then he said, as he keeps working on it, then that, the thought of the dog, the thought of how loyal and wonderful the dog is, how connected it is to him, and how connected he is to it, you know, it comes alive. So, so this way, um, how to engage the very same experience that throws us into our usual habitual scarcity, how we can relate to it and allow it to bring forth um, something that we can appreciate. Sure. What just popped into my mind was once uh, Yanni, who I think is here somewhere, uh, we were walking um, on some cliffs in, in, I think it was Trieste. And she was explaining to me how uh, a famous poet, Rilke, had, was staying there. And he read how he was there. He wrote this startling poetry. But at the very same time, he was racked with very difficult and painful thoughts about the futility of being alive, and, uh, so, on one hand, you have this powerful, exquisite poetry, of deep connection to existence, and then, something else. Uh, Some sense of the shadow of all that for him. We're complex beings, you know. To think our gratitude will just be some all-pervading, all-encompassing experience um, is, is naive. It, 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 we, we will, but still we can invite it. Still we can take those moments. Still we can nurture this absorption in being. We can see how all the paramitas can support us, the giving, the persistence, the patience, the the deeply connecting to its fundamental energies. So, um, once again, I will, uh, offer you some reflections and some, um, uh, practices. But I'd like to end with, um, if I can find it, a poem by Seamus Heaney. Cause, and, and this poem is about um, absorption in activity. You know? And and how even simple activities, and the, the, the simple activity he's talking about is digging, you know, digging in the earth. In fact, the poem is called digging. Yeah. The course boot. Nestled on the lug, the shaft against the inside knee was levered firmly. He rooted out tall tops, buried this bright edge deep to scatter new potatoes that we picked. Loving their cool hardness in our hands. By God, the old man could handle a spade, just like his old man. My grandfather cut more turf in a day than any other man on Toner's bug. Once I carried him milk in a bottle, corked sloppily with paper. He straightened up to drink it and then felt right away nicking and slicing neatly heaving sods over his shoulder, going down and down for the good turf. Digging. The activities of our life. Drawing us down and done. Uh, may it be so for you this week. And uh, may it nurture your life. And through your life, may it nurture everybody's life. That's the bonus of uh, intervening. As is, is we nurture li- one life, we're nurturing all life. it's a pyramid scheme the, every, the the benefits keep passing out and down down and down like the good to okay. thank you very much